Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Another Saturday, which means it is time for another Fizz Radio. Thanks for joining us as always. Tim Leonard here with you, whether it's on the score 1260 until 10 a.m. this Saturday morning, taking you through the next hour or so, or you can always find us listening through the podcast apps, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify. You can find us by searching Orange Fizz. That always helps us out. If you subscribe, rate, comment, we really appreciate it over at orangefizz.net. A lot to break down this week in Syracuse sports. It was a huge recruiting week for the football program. Some bad news, some good news, and then some more bad news kind of mixed all in. We will get through all of that, catch you up on everything, what this week means, what's next for recruiting-wise. It's going to be a recruiting-heavy show, as it has been throughout the summer here at Orange Fizz. And then we'll also talk about Bayheim's Army a little bit because they obviously didn't make it out of the OCC Regional, won the first two games, fell on Sunday. What went wrong for them? What's next for that program, that team? What do they have to do in terms of changes for next year if they want to come away with that $2 million winner-take-all prize in the basketball tournament? We will get to Bayheim's Army later on in the show. And then, of course, as always, we'll wrap things up with Fizz feedback. Get your voices heard. You can comment right now on our polls on Twitter, and we will shout you out as we do every week here at Orange Fizz and on Fizz Radio. But the big news this week, as I said, recruiting, and it started once we found out back on Tuesday night, July 30th, Bryce Gowdy, the four-star wide receiver target. He took an official visit to Syracuse Turns out he's not coming. He's going to Georgia Tech. He verbally commits there. And that's a tough loss for Dino Babers and company. That started out the week, and I want to start with that because, you know, this is a guy at a four-star receiver that a lot of people have linked to Syracuse for a while, and it feels like SU is due for one of those big fish in this recruiting cycle in 2020. They have yet to land a four-star wide receiver. Makes a lot of sense, but... The week starts with Bryce Gowdy, and a lot of people might say, oh, Georgia Tech, why is he going there? What do they have to offer? Triple option in the past, Georgia Tech is a program on the decline while Syracuse is on the rise, and we know Georgia Tech has not been known for wide receivers outside of Calvin Johnson. That's the big name that comes to mind, but it's not really an offense where a wide receiver tends to flourish there. But this is a new coaching staff, a new regime at Georgia Tech. We have to keep that in mind. And I think that was a great deal of the allure for Bryce Gowdy, who ends up picking Georgia Tech, verbally commits there back on July 30th over Syracuse. Penn State was in the mix. West Virginia was on him hard until the end. This is a guy that was really talented, four-star consensus. And just the fact that Syracuse got an official visit, and by all accounts, it was down to SU and Georgia Tech for this guy. It was one crystal ball projection, Georgia Tech, one crystal ball projection, Syracuse, and it ends up being the Yellow Jackets. And I think the biggest thing for him is he was attracted by that new coaching staff, that new regime, but more so than anything, he just doesn't have much competition there. He will go in right away, and from day one, he will be the guy at Georgia Tech. 
He's going to get a lot of the load as a freshman in the ACC. And we're talking about a kid with the size, the speed, the measurables to have NFL aspirations. He's a really talented prospect that will have an NFL future someday, most likely. And his favorite team is the Atlanta Falcons, by all accounts. So that had to probably lean into the decision a little bit. He'll go play college ball in Atlanta. But more than anything, it's the competition thing. You compare what he has in year one at Georgia Tech versus year one at Syracuse. Yeah, it's a program on the rise at Syracuse. Yeah, Dino Babers has shown he has blossomed wide receivers really well. But he's got Taj Harris. He's got Nikeem Johnson, Tristan Jackson, Sean Riley. There is a lot of wide receiver prospects, not to mention Ed Hendricks, Courtney Jackson, some of these guys that really haven't found their role quite yet. And Ed Hendricks, obviously, is because of injuries. But you take that as an example, four-star guy, and who knows when he's going to kind of fit into the puzzle there at Syracuse. That could have been Gowdy. Now, obviously, he still would have gotten some time as a freshman next year. But all those guys I just mentioned, with the exception of Sean Riley, they're young. They're all here for multiple years, and it's just tough to get a wide receiver right now. And Syracuse doesn't have a single wide receiver commit in this class, unless you want to count Barron, who's an athlete, who I think most likely will play tight end. So he's a pass catcher. You also got a tight end commit this week that we'll talk about a little bit later on in the program. But I don't know. I mean, that's the big thing for Gowdy. That's what you got to think made the decision for him. Yeah, the Georgia Tech we know hasn't been known as a offensive first, pass first offense in the past, but this is a whole new coaching staff. They're a different regime. They're going to throw the football, and they're going to throw a lot to Bryce Gowdy, and it's a shame because Syracuse is right there. One crystal ball projection for SU, one for Georgia Tech. Gowdy goes to Georgia Tech, and then you also find out this week Malik Magia, a three-star guy, but a high-end three-star guy that you were after really hard, a Canadian wide receiver as well, another wide receiver, talented one, does not commit to Syracuse. Syracuse, by an Instagram post from him a long time ago, was in his top four, and he ends up going to Penn State. So there's another guy you strike out on, and now you're 0 for 2. There were three big wide receivers in this class, Bryce Gowdy from Florida, who just committed to Georgia Tech, Malik Magia from Canada, who just committed to Penn State, and you've got one guy left now in Kentron Poyater, Miami Palmetto guy, same high school as Cornelius Nunn, Robert Hanna, 2020 safety commit, two safety commits, obviously Nunn 2019. He's a three-star guy, but basically a four-star. I mean, right at the top of the three-star echelon, top 100 wide receiver in this cycle, from Miami, Florida, and Syracuse is in his top six. He's visited. He's unofficially visited SU. He's officially visited, and signs point to him, but you've really got to get him now because you thought you might get Magia or Gowdy in whatever order they came out, and you thought you were going to get at least one of these three. And let's face it, this recruiting class, we've talked about it a lot. They're in need of one of those big guys. They did get a highly rated guy this week that we'll dive into, but Poyater would be their highest rated guy. If not technically, I mean, just logically speaking. He's a wide receiver that just fits the bill. 6'3", he's got a loaded offer sheet. His top six that he released on Instagram, Florida, FSU, Louisville, South Carolina, Tennessee, Syracuse. So that's three SEC schools in Florida, South Carolina, and Tennessee. 
and three ACC schools in FSU, Louisville, and of course Syracuse. That's the top six right now for Kentron Poyater, the wide receiver out of Miami Palmetto. So he's obviously close to Florida FSU. He did tour Florida and FSU, reports indicate. But outside of that, I mean, it seems like Syracuse is right in the thick of this guy. It seems like they have an upper hand, and they've been on him since day one. And he's a four-star talent, technically a three-star. But who knows? I mean, he could end up being better than Gowdy down the road, better than Magia. It's it's all kind of in that same ballpark. He is one of those big three wide receiver targets that this school has been after for a while. And I'm telling you, if you don't get one of these three, I don't know where the four-star, high-end three-star comes from in this class. Now, they did just get a safety that we're going to talk about on the other side of this break, but wide receiver is the position I was looking at because you've got Tommy DeVito for two more years for these 2020 guys, and you've got the track record there that has proven to be successful with wide receiver. So you strike out on two big names, and now all eyes on Kentron Poitier going forward for Syracuse football, or else you're really going to strike out. You're going to go for three with those big guys. And it's not a complete waste of time. It's not like it's a disaster if you don't get Poitier, but it feels like they're kind of due for one of those guys, and I think he might kind of be it. We're drying up here in terms of this recruiting cycle. Up to 14 commits now, usually only get about 20 in a class, and no wide receiver commits also in this cycle for Syracuse. And obviously there's a lot of talent there, but you want to get one, and Poitier feels like kind of that last-ditch effort now. And the coaching staff, I'd imagine, is going to go after him very, very hard coming home now. 14 commits total now for Syracuse. That means they got three more this week. It wasn't all bad news. I, I started with the bad news. But let's get to the good news now. The three commits that came to Syracuse, we'll break them all down. Everything you need to know about them, including one of them who's the highest-rated commit in this cycle now for SU. Get to know him on the other side. That's next on Fizz Radio. Fizz Radio rolling right along on this Saturday morning here on the Score 1260. Thanks for finding us. Tim Leonard breaking down a big week in Syracuse football recruiting. Just went through some of the bad news. Now it's time to get to the good news. Three commits this week for Dino Babers and the Orange. They get two safeties and a tight end. And I said before the break, one of them is the highest rated guy now in this cycle. They actually got the two highest rated guys they have in this 2020 class out of these three commits this week. We'll break them all down right now and start with that highest-rated guy. Ben Labrosi, a safety from Montreal, was not ranked when Syracuse got him. Wasn't much buzz about him. Doesn't have a ton of offers coming from Canada. But then the rankings came out since SU has picked him up, and he checks in very, very nicely for Syracuse fans' mindset. He's an 87 overall on 247sports.com. Again, if you're going off 247sports, best ranking out of any commit, any verbal pledge in this 2020 class for Syracuse, 52nd best safety in the class and right in the middle 700s nationally. That's every player in this 2020 football recruiting class. According to 247sports.com, he's right in the 700 range. So that's the best recruit Syracuse has reeled in. Labrosi, a safety from Montreal, comes over and it's just another defensive back another safety bolstering that secondary they've got such a good young core there I talked about how competition maybe was the reason 
why a guy like Bryce Gowdy was hesitant to come to Syracuse. Well, competition isn't scaring off these safeties, so I don't know what that says about the defensive backs group and the coaching staff there and what Nick Monroe has done as a recruiting coach for Syracuse, but they are reeling in the defensive backs. They now have four safeties in this class. We'll get to the second safety that committed, a guy Charles Atkinson, a little bit, but sticking with Labrosi, this is the best recruit in this 2020 cycle for Syracuse. And now usually they get a couple 87s and 88 and 89. You think of recent cycles, the 88s and 89s of the world are guys like Trill Williams, obviously the two linebackers last year, Lee Pogba, Michael Jones, Cornelius Nunn in that cycle last year was around this mark of 87, 88, 89. Ed Hendricks, injury prone and battling the injuries, was up there. Trill Williams, DeVito was right around 90. So that's the top, top mark for Dino Baber since he's come over to this program. But 87 is a strong mark. And for a guy that was kind of unknown, kind of came out of nowhere, obviously being from Canada helped Syracuse. And you like to see that. They're taking advantage of their region. And they go up to Canada, a guy that maybe is coming under the radar, and they get him, and then all of a sudden 24-7 sports comes out with the rankings, and all these fans are like, wow, Labrosi, this guy's a steal. This is the best recruit we've gotten so far. So that's the good news. They do get Labrosi. They also get a guy within their region taking advantage of it, a Rochester tight end, Stephen Mahar, who was an 86 overall. So one step down, right in that same echelon, a high-end three-star guy. These aren't four-stars, but... They're quality three-star guys. Mahar, first tight end commit of this cycle, comes from Rochester. And right now, when you look at Syracuse's 247sports.com commits page and going through the rankings, you've got an 87 in Labrosi, you've got an 86 in Mahar, and then it drops down to 85, Sean Tucker, a running back, one of their first commits of this cycle. So obviously, it's it's still kind of early. We're up to 14 commits now. You're probably going to reel in maybe five, six more. And you'd like to get an 88 or another 87 or another 86 just to make it look a little better visually speaking, rankings-wise. Rankings aren't everything, but if you're going off rankings, Mahar and Labrosi are the two best guys in this class. So even though it came during a week where Bryce Gowdy and Malik Magia, two guys that fans were fawning over and really wanted, said, no, I'm not going to Syracuse, So it kind of goes under the radar, maybe just how good of a week in terms of the commits they reeled in was this week for Syracuse. When you look at Mahar, the high-end three-star tight end, his offer sheet isn't crazy for an 86 overall, but Boston College was kind of right there in the mix. It's a lot of teams and a lot of schools that are just within that region. You know, a guy from Rochester, he's going to get appeal from that region. Buffalo offered schools like that. So... Syracuse is probably the highest profile school, especially after the season they had last year. And this is a guy they probably just should have gotten, being from Rochester, not having a ton of tight end competition-wise. You look at the tight ends right now. Remember, Gabe Haran, unfortunately, was injured last year very severely, and he's now done with football. He's moved on, and that's tough news. The Baldwinsville guy who caught a touchdown seemed to have a bright future in the program. You've got Chris Elmore as your starting tight end, technically speaking, this year. Elmore's not going to be there forever. You kind of want a pass catcher. Ravion Pierce maybe didn't pan out quite to the extent that some fans had aspirations for when you looked at his rankings coming out of JUCO. And you might think, well, tight end just hasn't really worked in this Dino system yet, so I don't even know if 
Mohara's going to bring a whole lot, but he's going to be a good blocker. He's got a lot of size. He's a talented guy, and you haven't gotten a wide receiver come in this class, so it's good to see a pass catcher at least. Obviously, Barron, I've touched on before, is an athlete that I think could be a tight end fit long term, but he's also potentially a linebacker's guy, potentially a defensive back. That's just kind of an unknown right now. So glossing over him, this is the first true tight end commit that Syracuse has gotten. And they get a commitment from Mahar this week, 86 overall tight end from Rochester, and you get a commitment from Ben Labrosi, 87 overall safety, according to 247sports.com, from Montreal up in Canada. Those were two of the three commits, and then you find out that they get another safety, another defensive back. Chase Atkinson is the last guy they got this week, a safety who was unranked from Blythewood High School down in Blythewood, South Carolina. You might recognize that school name. That's because that's where Robert Braswell went, the basketball player for Syracuse. He went to Blythewood High School. This is where Chase Atkinson is from. Braswell kind of moved all around, was a military family, just went there for his last year and played his last season of basketball there. But it seems like Atkinson has grown up in South Carolina and played there all throughout. It's a relatively new school, a big school, high-end athletics. So a guy that's coming from a big region down in South Carolina, a football-heavy region, ACC country, and Syracuse gets him to come up here to the the great north up here in the 315, which is great. Now, the ratings, right now he's unranked, so he's kind of an unknown. And remember, Labrosi was unranked as of six, seven days ago, and now we're touting him as the best recruit in the class because we just really don't have much to go off with these kids in this 2020 cycle. Rankings is a big reason why people get excited, why they get disappointed, for better or worse. And I know that's what I'm saying a lot right now, but... If you want to look at other things like offer sheet, I mean, you could look at it two ways. Stephen Mahar, the 86 overall, reports indicate he really just got an offer from BC in terms of Power 5 schools. So if you want to go off offer sheet, I mean, it works both ways. Some recruits, you want to look at rankings if you're a Syracuse fan because it helps out and makes you think better about these kids. And sometimes you want to look at the offer sheet. Right now, we don't know a ton about Atkinson, who offered him, what his rankings are. He's kind of an unknown, but hey, if the coaching staff likes him, and if he's from a great school down in South Carolina with a high pedigree for athletics, that's good enough for me. And I'm sure we'll get to know more about Atkinson as this recruiting cycle progresses. We'll find out more about his rankings. But three big commits this week for Syracuse football. You don't get Malik Magia. You don't get Bryce Gowdy. But you do get three commits. You get your first tight end, Stephen Mahar, who's the second highest rated commit in this class. You get your third safety and Ben Labrosi, who is the highest rated commit in this class, the Montreal kid, 87 overall. And then you get Chase Atkinson, who's the fourth safety. They're getting those defensive backs, four safeties now, Charles Bell, Robert Hanna, and then Atkinson and Labrosi in this 2020 cycle. Four of the 14 commits. You've got a kicker. You've got a tight end. You've got an athlete. You've got a lot of defensive ends. You've got a linebacker in Steven Thompson. You've got some offensive linemen. You've got a defensive tackle in Iloa. So this class is rounding into form here. You're still looking for that wide receiver. Poyater could be that guy. But I just want to make sure we look at this week, not from the perspective of, 
oh, it was a disaster. We didn't get Gowdy. We didn't get Magia. There are a lot of good that came from this week. I mean, they got the two biggest or two highest rated recruits from this class in a matter of days, back to back, right after the news. So that's a pretty good response from this coaching staff after finding out that they just missed out on Gowdy. And there's still plenty of time here. And I think they'll go after some receivers a little bit harder. But that's where recruiting stands right now. 11th best team in the ACC, according to 247sports.com. Remember, last year they were 10th. You'd like to see a rise, but the competition thing's big. And I think we can't overlook that. That's probably a big reason why Gowdy didn't come. It's probably a big reason why Magia commits to a Penn State, although obviously they have a lot of competition there. But this is a young team, and not a lot of guys are leaving Defensive end is an area where some guys are leaving, and that's where Syracuse is getting recruits. Offensive line, you got a couple guys leaving. You get an offensive line recruit. They're filling the spots they need to. Kicker and punter, I should really classify Williams as a punter. That's what he's mainly going to be right out of the gates. You needed one to fill in for Hoffrichter. You get one in James Williams, and then you get the three commits this week to make this class look a little bit better and recover from the tough news, obviously, with Gowdy and Magia. So that's where Syracuse football recruiting stands Orangefizz.net for live updates the rest of the way with that 2020 cycle. Always check out our complete recruiting guide, too. Search Orange Fizz 2020 Complete Football Recruiting Guide. That's got literally everything you need to know. Every commit, every high-priority target for Syracuse, their offer sheet, their highlight tapes are on there, little bio about them. You can get immersed in this 2020 cycle, big recruiting cycle for Syracuse in a big week this week. But that's what we've got for recruiting this week. Let's dive into Bayheim's Army after the break. Talk some basketball. We've had a week to reflect on what happened with Bayheim's Army, who was good, who was bad, which pieces worked, which didn't. Let's break it all down and let's look ahead to next year. How can this team take that step and get to the semifinals, get to the finals, and win that $2 million prize in the basketball tournament? That's all next, right here on The Score 1260. All right, we're back on Fizz Radio. Tim Leonard here with you till 10 a.m. on the score 1260. You can also find us online, orangefizz.net, and on Twitter, at Orange Fizz. Let's talk some Bayheim's Army real quick. We've had some time to reflect on what happened. Obviously, Syracuse falls in the regional final back on Sunday. Third time in five years they have fallen in the regional final of the basketball tournament. This is the sixth year of the basketball tournament, fifth year that Bayheim's Army has been involved. They did make it to the semifinal once, and this year they had the home crowd on their side. Let's start with that. That was awesome to see, the support from the celebrity row that was out there at OCC from Jim Bayheim, Joe Girard. We put out a funny video, if you haven't seen it, Joe Girard reacting to Syracuse basketball when they just snuck by. We are D3 at the end there, hit the target score, for the first round game back on Friday night, and Gerard was funny, his reaction. But basically every player on the Syracuse roster was there. Buddy Bayheim, the whole team, Jalen Carey was in attendance, all these guys up there for the summer working out, Quincy Guerriere. And it was really cool to just see the whole support from the community. Obviously, it's a no-brainer. We talked to John Mugar on this program last week. If you missed that discussion, he's the founder of TBT and the CEO, the guy that came up with the idea, had the idea to put Syracuse in their own region, create these host regions. We had a full discussion with him. 
You can catch that on our SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple podcast pages by searching Orange Fizz. It's the latest Fizzcast we put up with John Mugar. And he said it was a no-brainer with Syracuse. They are what has made this basketball tournament honestly tick a little bit because of the community. He was blown away by the support year in and year out. It's just really cool to see people doing the standing clap. And that was a tough place to play for the opponents. But Brotherly Love does knock out Syracuse, a team of some former Temple guys, Big Five schools, and they played well. But the big issue for Syracuse, and it feels like we say this every year with this team, defense, man. They just couldn't defend and also rebounding. But I think defense is the main issue. And it kind of calls into question, should you really play a 2-3 zone in this tournament? I don't know. I mean, I don't know the answer because you're straying away from Bayheim a little bit. The, the team's named after the guy, and that's what he's there to watch, you'd think, is see his defense in action, see his former players. And it worked for them, and we know defense is not the issue usually with Syracuse basketball. But I don't know about you guys. It just felt like they were getting killed on defense from beyond the arc. And it was just easy for people to pick apart that 2-3 zone. And we got to keep in mind, this is a roster of guys that does not get to practice that much. They probably come together, what, two weeks before the tournament, start working out the kinks a little bit. In terms of individual performances, it's amazing what Eric Diemendorf does every year in this thing. He was their best player probably, right? And... I don't even know how many years it's been since the guy went on some of those runs in the Big East tournament with Syracuse, but he just somehow comes out, not even playing that much you'd have to imagine anymore, and he's just fearless. He's the perfect TBT player. It almost feels like they've got to take advantage of his window a little bit. Not that he's getting too old, and clearly he's not showing it on the court, but if you're going to win this thing, it feels like he's got to be the leader of the team, and he has been and they just haven't really put the pieces together around him, you'd think, logically, that someone like Andrew White, someone like Mike Benajay, who are in the NBA or at least playing in the G League and playing more than Devendorf, would be those guys that you need on the team. You need a lot of guys that are still in shape, still active. I thought Andrew White was decent. He was just inconsistent. That first game, he really struggled, and that's weird to see, but... Maybe there's just more pressure on those guys. Mike Benajay didn't do a whole lot out there. He didn't get a ton of run for Syracuse's Bayheim's army, but it was guys like John Gillen, Devendorf. It seems like those two guys are always there. Warwick played great in that last game when they lost. He led the team in 16 points. And the big guys were pretty good. It's just, you know, they're a little rusty almost. They're not capitalizing to the extent they normally are when they're playing every day. And obviously that last game, Bayheim's Army just could not get a rebound. They couldn't defend, couldn't get a rebound. It was tough to watch at times. The offense was fine. You can talk about Jordan Crawford and how he didn't really work out. Obviously, that's the only guy on the team that didn't play for Syracuse, and there's a lot of pressure on him. That's a tough spot to be in. Let's factor that into this because he's the guy that is the scapegoat from game one, and he did not play well in that first half. No, No way you can say he did. But that second half, I don't know if they win in that first-round game against We Are D3, a team they should have handled easily. I don't know if they win without Jordan Crawford. So before you go scapegoating him, let's keep in mind it's a tough role 
we're all attached to all these players with the exception of Crawford. And his style of play, it doesn't really align great from a team chemistry standpoint. He just shoots a lot. He takes a lot of bad shots. It's a lot of iso ball. I don't really know if that's the exact guy they needed. But he played great in that second half. And when he had it clicking, he was really helpful for that team. He put up a lot of points, as a lot of those guys did. They scored. They just couldn't defend. I would say Crawford, bring him back next year. I'm fine with that. I mean, some people are going to laugh at that and scoff because they think that first half was atrocious, and it was. But let's just not let that cloud what he did the rest of the way. You need talent on these teams. You need guys that are active. Crawford fits the bill. Maybe you'd like a guy that fits in a little bit better from a chemistry standpoint, but it's hard to nitpick with these rosters. And Crawford's a a guy that could really put them over the top, and I thought he was a good offensive piece. He grew on me as the tournament went on, and I I didn't want to look at it from a blinders perspective and think you have to factor in that he is coming into a tough situation. The fans don't know him. The fans don't love him like every other player on that roster. So it's easy to point fingers at him. I thought you can bring him back next year. And in terms of next year, I think the biggest thing they have to evaluate is defense. And more specifically, whether the 2-3 zone is the best option for this team. You've got a lot of attachment there. It's a personal thing. And it just kind of makes sense that Bayheim's army is out running 2-3 zone. It's cool. I really like the whole idea from the surface level, but I want these guys to win. I want to see them keep playing. I think it's a really cool tournament, and $2 million is a lot. I mean, maybe we gloss over that. I know only you get a certain cut of that for each player, but a guy like Jordan Crawford joined that team, Bayheim's Army, because he saw the talent, and he said, we've got a legit shot of winning $2 million. All those guys believe that, and We know they can. They're just as talented as any other team in that tournament year in and year out. But for whatever reason, the defense really struggles. And rebounding was puzzling because they do have a lot of big guys that you'd think could just kind of score at will, get rebounds at will. Hakeem Warwick, Onawaku, Daryl Watkins. Obviously, they weren't really in tip-tier shape and, and playing at the level that we've seen them play in the past, whether it was at Syracuse or a little bit after that. But... You know, it's it's defense for this team going forward. That's where they've got to solve the puzzle, whether it's maybe adding a guard at the top of the zone that plays a little bit better defense. I don't know if Michael Carter-Williams would join the team maybe after his career is done, but he would kind of fit that bill for Syracuse. And obviously he's still clicking in the NBA and just signing new contracts. So that's probably down the road. It's amazing, though. This team garnered a ton of support from the community. It was great to see, and it was really great to see Eric Dievendorf doing his thing again. That's probably the funnest thing for me about this tournament year in and year out. He just never ceases to amaze me. And now going forward, they're going to reevaluate, I'm sure, make some changes. Ryan Blackwell, Kevin Belby, the GM and head coach there for Bayheim's Army, will make some changes, but it's a fun tournament every year. It was tough to see them fall before they got out of the Syracuse Regional, but there's no scenario, I think, where they're not coming back to Syracuse for the foreseeable future. With the support the community gave and all the fun that that region had, it was really, really cool to see in that dead period in the summer watch some basketball, and it's just awesome we get this chance now with the basketball tournament founded by John Mugar 
Looking forward to the years to come, though, with Bayheim's Army in the basketball tournament. We'll see if they can figure out that 2-3 zone, maybe go to man, or whatever they have to do to shore up that defense. When we come back, Fizz Feedback. You're listening to Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. Wrapping up the program right here on Fizz Radio. As we do every week, time for Fizz Feedback. Put out a couple polls on Twitter. You can respond by commenting at Orange Fizz on Twitter. We'll shout you out right here on the Score 1260. This week we've got two polls we'll get to. We'll also dive into some loose ends, break down everything that you might have missed, kind of some under-the-radar news in regards to Syracuse sports. All right, let's get into it. First question this week on Fizz Feedback. And it's uh, Carmelo Anthony related. Sadly, that's been kind of a topic this summer. The question's simple. Is Carmelo Anthony's NBA career over? Two options for you. Someone will sign him. And yeah, sadly, he's done. Right now, unfortunately, yeah, sadly, he's done is leading the way. 62% of the vote, 62% of voters on Twitter say Carmelo Anthony's NBA career is over. Right now, if you look on CBS Sports, wherever, they'll tell you he's one of the top remaining free agents. And we know he can play a little bit, but it's not going to be to a star role. He's going to have to cut back, learn how to be a role player. He's been linked to the Lakers, but it's just been kind of a rocky end to his career. Honestly, I think someone will sign him. 38% of the vote right now says someone will sign him. I'm willing to say that. I mean, someone will take a chance on the guy. He's got name recognition. He's got veteran leadership that he can bring. And he can score. Take a team like the Pelicans, maybe. Now, I don't know their cap situation. I'm not going to pretend to know that. But just at the surface level, it makes sense. If you've got a team with young guys like the Pelicans, why not sign a Carmelo Anthony? He can score. He brings leadership. He brings some tutelage for these younger players. And just the sheer fact that it just doesn't feel right that a guy who's been one of the best Olympic athletes for the U.S. of A., he's been one of the most talented players of the past two decades almost in the NBA. He's been a bona fide all-star year in and year out. And obviously, he's probably the most talented player to come through the Syracuse program. I guess you could argue that, but just that one season... I know it's a small sample size, but obviously what he did speaks for itself, winning the national title and helping that team to the national title. So it just doesn't feel right that he should just sit and have to wait and see if someone signs him, and if no one signs him, that's how he ends. I don't know. I mean, there's been talk. Stephen A. Smith brought up how he he doesn't deserve a farewell tour. He never won a championship. I don't even want to get into that, but the point is he deserves something. He doesn't deserve to just be hung out to dry here. And I just, it doesn't sit right with me that that's going to be the end of Carmelo Anthony's career. And I know even if he comes back and it's another last ditch effort and it falls short, that could be even worse. But I just think someone goes after him, someone signs him. It's pretty late now in, in the process here, and teams are running out, but it's not like he's in it for the money. It's not like he's going to require some big payday that teams don't have. So just from the standpoint of veteran leadership, I think Carmelo Anthony gets signed. I was surprised 62% of the vote right now says his career is over. And if it is over, 
which it basically is, relatively speaking anyway, whether he gets signed and gets sort of that last go-around-the-sun tour or whatever, it's been a great career for Carmelo Anthony. Didn't get the championship, which will be brought up till the Cavs come home, but can't argue what he did for the U.S. of A. Can't argue what he did year in and year out scoring-wise. Was a consistent leader, consistent all-star in that league, and few people can say that. So maybe he had some attitude problems. Maybe he chased the check. Maybe he didn't get the title but he's one of the best Syracuse basketball players ever, and I'd say he held up very well in the NBA in his career. Right now, the vote's rising 64%, saying sadly he is done, but we'll see. We'll have updates at Orange Fizz on whether Carmelo Anthony's really done or not. Next question, in regards to football recruiting, we talked a lot about it on this show. The Gaudi and Magia news comes out this week, two high-end, high-priority Wide receiver targets pick other schools outside of Syracuse. They're not coming. And they do get three commits, though, that we broke down. If you missed that, go back. Find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Ben Labrosi, Stephen Mahar, Chase Atkinson commit to Syracuse, two safeties, a tight end, and two highly rated guys and an unranked guy. So where are we at right now? The question is, after that news, what grade would you give Syracuse football recruiting so far in this 2020 class? A, B, C, or D? Sadly, just 3% with A. B is leading the way, 67%. C, not far behind, 28%. And D with 2%. So B leading the way, 67% of the vote. C, 28%. Pretty fair. I'd probably lean more towards C, honestly, right now. If I had to pick, I'd probably go C. I'd probably join 28% of the voters on Twitter at Orange Fizz. And it feels almost unfair to give a grade right now. You know, basically, it's an incomplete. I get that argument. We're not done with the cycle. Why even put down a grade? But, you know, we've seen 14 commits now. We've seen a lot of guys that they've been after say no. And we have yet to see a high-end commit come in. Now, if they get here, I think it's at least a B. And I think that's a great commit. He's an 87 overall if you get him. I hope I'm saying his name right. All these commits... You know, it's hard to get their names down. Obviously, at this point, there's not much out on them, just high school seniors. But if you get him, you're looking at a solid B. And I think it's fair that a lot of people said B here because you can look at it from the perspective that they're just getting the guys they want. And we fall in love with rankings. I know I'm guilty of doing that. And I'm sure a lot of people listening are saying, you know, why are you so attached to the ratings? But. I'm just trying to compare it to previous classes, and that's what's out there right now. So C is where I'd lean, but it's an incomplete, and you can't really give them a grade until we find out more and find out whether they will bring in one of those four-star guys. If they don't, it's a C to me, though, and that's where I stand right now on that 2020 Syracuse football recruiting class. couple other loose ends to tie up. USA Today coaches poll came out for football. 22 are the orange in that preseason poll. Pretty solid. That's kind of where they've checked in with a lot of these preseason polls. But 22, that sounds pretty good to me, pretty good to Syracuse fans. I'm sure you can even make the case they should be a little higher. But, you know, you're not going to get picky. If you're ranked, that's pretty solid. And 22 is getting a little bit of respect there for Syracuse football in the USA Today coaches poll. Also, by the way, if you haven't checked out La Familia, which – If you're listening to this podcast, you probably have, but uh, the off chance that you haven't gotten to it yet, 
Can't recommend it enough. It's been really, really cool what the Syracuse Athletics program has done. It's a hard docs type training camp series. Inside look, get to know some of the players a little bit more. Just a web series you can find it on YouTube, find it on Syracuse Football Twitter. Really recommend that. Other news this week, I just want to go over this real quickly. John Rothstein of CBS Sports, you can hate him, you can love him, whatever. He came out with some tweets after he went to a Syracuse basketball practice. If you missed these, there's five or six of them. Go back on his timeline, check it out. Biggest ones to me, Jesse Edwards, he said there's a palpable buzz, I believe he used, around the program that they finally have a stretch five that they haven't had in a while. That's good to hear. Jesse Edwards is kind of climbing up those rankings, and there's a world where Jesse Edwards is starting week one. It's not unforeseeable right now. He's kind of the mystery man, but he continues to climb. He also had good things to say about Bryson Gadeen, who some people are kind of forgetting about. So check that out, John Rothstein on Twitter. But that'll do it for this week's Fizz Radio, a fun one, breaking down recruiting. We'll have you next week, 9 to 10 a.m. on the Score 1260, and always check us out on the podcast apps. Till next time, thanks for listening, Fizz Nation.